Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears. Chicago ESPN Chicago. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Mack and Abdallah. Live from the old National Bank Studio. WMVP, WSHE, HD2, Chicago. A good karma brand's radio station. It's Blocking Abdallah here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. If you want to join us tonight, you can call us at 312-332-3776. The Bears return to practice today, Abdallah, as they get ready for week 15 in the NFL. They'll face off against the Browns in Cleveland on Sunday. And we do have news from Hallis Hall from earlier today. DJ Moore did not practice today. He has an ankle injury, so that's something we need to keep an eye on throughout the week, whether or not the Bears will have their number one wide receiver. Also from the injury report, EQ St. Brown, he did not practice. This is now looking like the second week in a row. The Bears could be without St. Brown. And then uh, defensive back Jaquan Brisker, the safety, groin injury. He was limited today in practice. So those are the items that come from the injury report after practice. Before practice, the Bears announced that Yannick Ngakwe will be placed on IR. He has a broken ankle, he's having surgery, and he is out for the rest of this season. So a lot of injury information and news that came out of Hallis Hall earlier today. Yeah, and that's uh, that's unfortunate for Yannick Ngakwe because he's starting to play really well. When you add Montez Sweat, like obviously when you add better players to the defensive line, it frees up some guys, right? Like if Sweat gets a double team, that frees up someone. You know, Ngakwe was playing a lot better with uh, Montez Sweat there, this is going to, as Matt Aberflew said, this is going to create some opportunities for guys that haven't been getting a lot of reps here. Um, I don't, like, it's it's a huge loss. It is a huge loss because you want to have two very good pass rushers, right, on your ends. Um, I still believe, like, when we talked to TJ Edwards uh, on Monday night, that this Browns offense is not very good. Joe Flacco doesn't move around in the pocket a lot. He's pretty much a statue back there. He's 40 years old. Like this dude, like I don't necessarily, like I'm not worried about the Bears defense against the Browns offense. Like I think that there's enough tape now on this newer version of Joe Flacco, the, the one that was sitting on his couch like a month ago. This isn't the same guy that went on the insane run that he did to get the Ravens to win a Super Bowl, you know, a while back against the 49ers. This is a very different Joe Flacco. Um, what I am worried about more is how the Bears offense looks against this very good, the best in the league Browns defense that is dealing with a ton of injuries themselves there. They've got like 15 dudes on their injury report today. So we'll see how that plays out throughout the week. And, and if some of these injuries will come to the advantage of the Bears, uh, but this is going to be to me a bigger test for the Bears offense than any of the games left than it was against the Lions. This is the, going to be the defense. This and the two Vikings games that they played this year are going to be the two toughest tests, or the three toughest tests, I guess, for this Bears offense uh, heading into these final four games. Ngakwe is going to be out the rest of the way. And the thing that I look at with the Bears and their defensive efforts in the last month is, in the last month, defensive yards per play, the Bears were 23rd back in November. Now they're 13th. The jump in the last month has been huge. He's been a big part of it. And I know that it it primarily goes back to Montez Sweat being traded for and getting acclimated to the Bears' defense. 
But having two individuals who can disrupt and make game-changing plays is why this team's defense is really starting to click. We were on Monday night, we were with TJ Edwards uh, for Bears night in Chicago, and he was talking about how everything's really coming together. The front fours getting damage done uh, up front, and then the linebackers are are able to make the plays behind that. And I I think like that's where it kind of sucks that we've gotten to this point today because the last two days off of that big win against the Lions, it really felt that this team is at its most healthy point this season. They're playing their best football, and they're they're actually doing what we kind of thought that they would do coming into the season. And so now you're dealing with injuries. You're dealing with DJ Moore, your best player offensively, who didn't practice today with an ankle injury. Hopefully, throughout the week, we'll see improvements tomorrow and Friday, and that DJ Moore will be there. Uh, the news that Ngakwe's out for the rest of the season, like, yeah, there have been times and spots throughout this year that Ngakwe really hasn't been as impactful that maybe some Bears fans thought he would be. It seems like in the last couple weeks, he was starting to kind of pick up the pace. And mm-hmm. Matt Eberflus earlier today kind of talked about how the numbers for Ngakwe didn't quite really show what he kind of has brought to the table because he's had some misses. Right, uh, I remember one uh, major sack opportunity where Baker Mayfield escaped the grasp of Ngakwe yeah. in the pocket, and Mayfield made a big play, but essentially Ngakwe had him dead to rights in the pocket, and he was able to escape. So Iberflus kind of mentioned that this season there were opportunities for Ngakwe to have more production, and he mm-hmm. didn't quite get it, and that's where it's tough to see that he's out for a defense that's been playing so well, and you're right. As we focus more specifically on the game this week against the Browns, I'm worried more over the offense's ability to pr- produce against the Browns than I am the Bears' defense having a strong game against a Browns' offense with Joe Flacco at the helm in his second game for the Browns. Yeah, I don't want to do Yurko's keys for him that he does every week. The Yurko's keys to the game that he works so hard on. Spends a lot of spends time. Spends a lot of time. We he get here. The, he gets in the lab and you know, he cooks those he's, up. He's usually here three, four hours before the show yeah. on a Friday getting ready for those keys. Um, but one of them for sure needs to be being ahead of schedule on first down because this team and the Browns are the number one team at stopping third down conversions. And so this, you know, they have to be supremely disciplined. None of this, you know, no five-yard penalties, no 10-yard penalties for hold, like none of that. No pre-snap penalties. Everything has to be clean. You don't want to be, you know, behind the sticks. You don't want to be in third and long situations because this Cleveland defense is the number one defense at stopping third downs. They're 10th in sacks. They're fourth in QB pressures per drop back. Like, they are an insanely good defense. They're going to be at home. They're still playing for something. So it's it's going to be, you know, incumbent upon Justin Fields and Luke Getze to drop a game plan where you can move the ball effectively on first and second down. You don't want to be in third and long. You always want to be, and that's obviously true for any football team, but there are teams that, you know, are a little more lax on third down than others. This is definitely not one of them. And with the injury to DJ Moore, hopefully he's out there. I wouldn't be surprised if this kind of looks like, at least the start of the game plan, you know, looks the way it did against the Vikings. You know, when they come out in in the first 15 plays that are scripted, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of screen plays. 
just to get blockers in front and getting the ball to your playmakers and having them move the ball that way with a bunch of blockers in front of them. Whereas, and then you try to go over the middle. You try to go deeper downfield a little bit later. Like, I don't know if Justin Fields is going to have success running the football himself this, this week against the Browns. Like, it's going to be a completely different game plan from the Lions. Um, and, you know, Luke Getze has been good this season at adjusting the game plan for the opponent. You know, whether it's pretty or not, whether you like to watch it or not, this is going to be a lower scoring game. I think this is going to be two very strong defenses and two offenses that, you know, one's Joe Flacco, 40 year old man out there trying to to sling it around a little bit. And Justin Fields, who still has something to prove for the end of the season. So there's that fine line, Chris, where you want to see him play well against a good defense and say, hey, I can make throws against the best defense in the league. But at the same time, you're trying to win the game. Right. And what's working to to win the game, running the ball effectively. Uh, screens, uh, short passes, that kind of thing. If that's working, then you have to stick with the game plan because this is still a coaching staff that is still fighting for their jobs and want to be back next year. I see four games on the board that have lower over-under totals, game totals, than the Bears and the really? Browns do. I see four games. I figured they would have been one of the lowest on the board. I thought so, too. Uh, 38 and a half is what I see. It's uh, pretty low. A Jets-Dolphins, 37 and a half. What, the Jets, uh, the Dolphins are going to score 30 of that? Probably. Uh, let's see. The Chiefs and Patriots, 37 and a half. Uh, let's see. Giants-Saints, 39 and a half. Falcons Panthers 34 and wow. a half. Wow. So there's a lot of low scoring uh, matchups for this week, week 15 in the NFL. Paul in Michigan listening on the ESPN Chicago app. What's up, Paul? Paul. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. What's up? Hey, uh, uh, nothing. I wanted to just throw in a couple things. Uh, wanted to give a shout out to Jeff Joniak. He was on earlier. Shout out. Um, shout out. Joniak's the best. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to say. Devin Hester, you are ridiculous. He is. Woo! And then uh, I just wanted to comment on the Bears. The Bears stuff. Uh, number one, um, if you stop watching the highlights of uh, Caleb Williams and watch some of the tougher plays that that he's had when he gets hit, mm-hmm. this guy don't like this guy don't like to get hit. No, I guarantee you. I guarantee you, if he played against Cleveland his first game in the NFL, he probably would have never played again. <laughs> yeah. Throw him a Matt Nagy bone. Yeah. And then the other thing was just, um, you know, that if you start looking at, at the situation, the Bears need to have the kind of game plans you guys were talking about. You know, but then you've also got to throw in a little mix-up where there's a play off of that. You know, like against Minnesota, it was the same thing over and over and over and over. And they never did throw a trick play at Minnesota until we had to have a play. You know? Yeah. You guys still there? Yes, yeah, we are. Here. Yeah. Good call, Paul. Yeah. Appreciate you. Yep. There okay. he is. Make sure you take the ESPN Chicago app wherever you go. Ray, on the south side, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Ray? Hey, what's going on? Good evening. What's up? <clears throat> Good evening. What's going on? I just had a hypothetical question, right? Let's just say hypothetically, you can just like somehow teleport and get into like some light speed system to where you can go into the future and you find out that Caleb Williams is a great quarterback. Like, mm-hmm. would it be like any kind of like debate on like taking him first pick? Because I think that if you get a guy like that, it takes a lot of pressure off the general manager to like build this super team around the quarterback position. And it's just like all the great teams in the NFL, they got like long, all the great teams that create like this longevity 
success is like these teams that have the great quarterbacks, the Aaron Rodgers, the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens. And, I mean, I called in. I was an advocate for Fields like maybe four weeks ago. I think I called you guys. And I just seen enough, man, like the not throwing with anticipation and just running out the pocket before the play developed. Like, I've had enough of that, man. Like, I just I just think we, we take Caleb Williams. I don't think we're going to have enough draft capital to take Marvin Harrison. We just take the other guy. What's his name? Neighbors from LSU. Malik Neighbors, yeah. Yeah, Malik Neighbors, and I, I and I think you just get like a solid center in the draft, and you just build off that, man. I just I, I've had enough of Justin Fields. That's all I wanted to say. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks for the call, Ray. I, you know, a couple of weeks ago we said that Justin Fields has six or seven weeks here to change our opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, in the last couple of weeks, so now we have four weeks left to kind of figure this out. He hasn't done anything to me that has solidified that one hundred percent. You can't keep him. Now, he hasn't blown our socks off, right? Like, he hasn't had great games to, to solidify on the other end of the spectrum that, like, he's the guy for the future. Yeah. He's just been good and okay and just right there in the middle of playing decent football. And, and so, like, you have to ask yourself, are you seeing progress? Can he continue continuously get better? Or is he finished as a product? This is what he'll always be. And if that's the case... Clearly, it's not good enough. Well, because I can understand that he's not good enough at the end of the day. If we want to eventually get to a championship at this moment, I'm not sold that he can't develop into that. He's 24 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I get that some pop the moment they step onto an NFL field. But right now, he is improving. And in some spots, we, we've asked him not to throw away, uh, throw interceptions. He hasn't done it. Right? Like, he, he's improving in some areas. I think that that's my biggest thing is you've seen the improvement from year to year, right? Like the stat that Shea gave this morning, Shea Norland gave on while he was, was producing. What did it he was, have? It was in the last what seven. The if you have? take set the last seventeen games okay. of Justin Fields, sure, he's had thirty-three touchdowns, eleven interceptions, four thousand yards. That's exactly what we would be asking for. Exactly. That's so, it. That, that's what we want. And if you look at his numbers, and if you watch the games. You can't say that he's not improving as a quarterback. It might not be the biggest improvement, but he's getting better. And why is he getting better? Well, he's had more experience. He's been in the system a little bit longer. He sat out for a little bit with the injury and maybe saw what the offense could look like when you get the ball out a little bit faster. And he even said today when he met the media that he's focusing on, you know, being in the pocket more. And not just, he said it himself, not just running for no reason at all. He said it himself. That last year, he just ran for no reason. And this year, he's trying to go through the progressions and stay in the pocket more and force the ball where it's supposed to go. And I think that if you add even more to this team, that's what I think Ryan Poles is looking at. Look at what we added this year and look at the improvement Justin Fields has made. If you add even more to the offensive line, if you get a better center, you add more to the offensive line, you add a... Another great wide receiver like Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, whoever it is in the first round, then you're really starting to cook with something. Because if he made the improvement and his completion percentage is up, his interceptions are down, his touchdowns could be up by the end of the year, and you look at what he could do, what he did this year compared to last year, he's getting better. So if you add even more, how much better could he be next year? And is that something you go through, or do you completely reset the clock financially? and get a new quarterback while making those additions. Like, if you bring in Caleb Williams, if you bring in Drake May or Bo Nix or whoever it is with DJ Moore 
Marvin Harrison Jr. or Malik Neighbors, and you've got a revamped offensive line, you've got a better offensive line this year with a defense that's playing since they've added Montez Sweat, a top 10 defense. Like, is that something that's better than keeping Justin Fields? You want to talk Bears football with us? Call us at 312-332-3776. More of your calls next. Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Black and Abdallah are back on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. It's Black and Abdallah here on a Wednesday night. On ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Tom in Palatine, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Tom? Hey, guys. I think you're thinking about this all wrong. Okay. Two, two years from now, when Zach Sanborn's contract is up, are you going to give him $25 million a year? No, you're not. You're not. You're giving Montez Sweat $25 million a year. You're not going to give Jack Sanborn $25 million a year because you don't do that for a mediocre player. You're not going to give... Justin Fields a new quarterback contract. You don't give a, a new quarterback contract for $40 million a year or whatever he would end up costing us to someone who's okay and he's not going to be ever anything other than good or okay. You can find good or okay in the draft. Well, I, I disagree with the premise from the start because the quarterback position is a way more valuable position than the third linebacker position. So the comparison of Sanborn to Fields, I don't think is I don't I don't think that's a good comparison. I, I think what you need to look at is if you think Fields is going to continuously improve, then he would be worth the contract that you're going to give him. Is he worth a Mahomes contract today? No. And I doubt he will be a year from now. But he could be worth a Daniel Jones contract from last season. He's a better quarterback than Daniel Jones, and we knew that last year when Jones got the contract from the Giants. How did that work out for the Giants? They're five and eight as well. Exactly, because they gave. Well, he's hurt. They, well, yes, but they tied themselves, and they're going to be in trouble for a while now because they tied themselves up with a contract to a quarterback, and they took a lot of salary cap money and gave it to a quarterback who's okay. So, like, here, here's what I don't understand about this type of premise, Tom. Are there only, like, three quarterbacks worth paying in the entire league? Maybe five. Okay, five. So there's five quarters. Everyone else should just constantly be rotating and trying to, to tank to try and get a Mahomes, a Burrow, an Allen. You can, I mean, I think we've shown that you can find good quarterbacks other places in the draft. I, I agree. You could. And so, you know what? You keep going, and if you, if you hit a diamond, then you keep him, you give him a second contract. Otherwise, treat him like a running back. So you're get constantly new, flipping one, quarterbacks, one, get, trying to search for that guy to get it done. Get a new one in four years, yep. All right, there you go. Tom in Peloton. I completely disagree with I that premise. I vehemently disagree with that. I keep going back to the, you know, 4,000 total yards, 33 total touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Like, that to me is, that's 17 games of work. That's his last 17 games, you know? That's nothing to sneeze at. That's nothing to say. I'm not saying that God I'm paying you. him right now. Thank you. I'm not playing him right now, paying him right now, but I don't have to pay him right now. You pick up the fifth-year option. Like, I understand 
like we mentioned towards the end of the show yesterday, playing devil's advocate and saying, yes, that eventually in about two years, a bunch of your players are going to be up for deals. And it's on Ryan Poles to decide whether or not to re-sign some of those players or restock in the draft. You don't have to re-sign every single one of your players, right? This isn't Ryan Pace here anymore. Just handing out money just because, right? So, yes, in two years, you will have to deal with that. And if you give Justin Fields a big deal, it's going to affect a certain amount of your cap, about 20% of your cap. But if he's the guy, that doesn't matter. I understand saying, hey, let's reset and get five years of cheap quarterback play by getting a new quarterback and having all of these studs around him and kind of doing what the Seahawks did. But but Russell Wilson had to be a great quarterback for that to work. They didn't just plug anybody in there. They plugged in Russell Wilson. Yeah, but you know what this is? This is uh, the success of the 49ers has altered the brain chemistry of football fans. Yeah. Because everyone thinks that you can just do what the 49ers are doing right now. Yeah. They drafted a quarterback very high. He busted out. And what did they do? They just flipped him for a new quarterback that they drafted later on in the rounds. That's exactly mm-hmm. what Tom and Palatine is suggesting. That fields is Lance. And then in this next draft, just draft any old quarterback and he'll walk in and he'll be Brock Purdy and that he'll have success. Yeah. The difference is they have the best roster in the NFL Mm -hmm. and they likely have the best offensive mind as a coach in Kyle Shanahan in the entire league. Yeah. That's it. The Bears don't have that. There are more ways to win than just the blueprint of how the 49ers have built things. Oh, absolutely. It's envious. Like, absolutely. Would you like to be in the 49ers position today? Sure. I also would guess that if they could swap Purdy and Fields, I would guess that perhaps they would want Justin Fields. I think so. For sure. I think for the long term and the success that we've seen him starting to develop with, I would go with Fields and Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy has a lot of holes in his game, and he is propped up by an incredible offense that's around him. Yeah, and some of the best players, I mean, Christian McCaffrey... George Kittle, of like course. some of the best players a in the NFL. offensive line. Yeah, Pete in Montgomery, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Pete? Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. One of the things I think people are not either talking about or realizing is last year Ryan Poles said he liked Fields better than everybody else that was in that draft class. And C.J. Stroud proved that might not have been a great idea. If that happens again, if one or two guys balls out on this next draft he passes – it's kind of sealing his own fate where they're going to say, okay, you're done. Whereas if he drafts a guy, trades fields, and the guy struggles for a couple of years, it buys him more time. So self-preservation might come into this. Yeah, I understand that premise. I, I also think that the, the mark against the GM for drafting a, a bust-out quarterback is going to be just as bad as passing. Like, say they trade fields, they draft that quarterback, the quarterback becomes a bust and fields develops into something mm-hmm. that it's going to be an equal black mark on the GM. Yeah. It, like the only way you keep your job as a GM in the NFL is by finding quarterbacks and having a, a good team that makes the playoffs and having a good head coach. I wonder what this conversation will be if we get to, you know, January 8th at the end of the season and they've got eight or nine wins. Right. Like if they get should they get to eight or nine wins and it's because of Justin Fields, because of the way he's the numbers, the type of numbers he was putting up against the Lions and that kind of stuff. If people are saying the same thing, because 
yeah, the Texans are great, and, and C.J. Stroud is is great, and that's awesome. But give Justin Fields the rest of the season and see if they can. Like, I think people are still looking at the five wins and be like, well, they're only, they only have five wins, and they don't look that great doing it. So, like, let's just automatically move on. It's Black and Abdallah. We're taking your Bears calls here on ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Mike and Palatine, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Mike? Hey, guys. You know, I'm, I'm stuck in traffic coming back from work, and I, I maybe I'm hallucinating, but I could have sworn, and I love the show, but I could have sworn I heard you guys say that if you're the 49ers, they might rather take Justin Fields over Brock Purdy. Um, and, and if I wasn't hallucinating, I'm questioning your sanity at this point, um, because the reality, guys, is that Brock Purdy can read defenses, he can throw on time, and he anticipates. And if we know anything about Justin Fields, is that he struggles with reading defenses, throwing on time, and anticipating. And when he succeeds, he succeeds because of his amazing athletic ability, in spite of his inability to read defenses, throw on time, and anticipate. So I think you, I, I, maybe I was hallucinating, but I, I, I just think that that's really off base. Yeah, it's a fair way to look at it, Mike. I disagree with you. I, I think if Justin Fields had the offense around him that Brock Purdy has been given, I think you would see him throwing on time, anticipating more, and making those throws, and he's a better athlete. I think he would be much more dangerous in a situation with those players around him than he is with this team. We we saw that against Detroit, which is not a good defense, right? When did When did Justin Fields play with Kittle? And McCaffrey, when Trent Williams is blocking for him, and when, when did Kyle that happen? Shanahan drawing up the offense and calling plays. But 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 we're but we're we're using the same excuse we made for Justin Fields last year and the year before that. Yes, are they as good as San Francisco? No, they're not. But the reality is they have a lot better players now. And and yeah, maybe he would have more incompletions. But but you know than Brock Purdy because the team is not as good. But the reality is even against a poor defense like Detroit. And the Bears won, and Justin Fields made some good throws, and I love that throw to D.J. Moore on the offsides. I get it. But the reality is he still did not show the ability to excel in, in the thing that makes every great quarterback great in this league. And, and so I, I, I think, I think you're, you're going back to this crutch of, well, he doesn't have as good of players as Brock Purdy. The reality is, uh, you know, I, I think Brock Purdy – is is good for a reason. You, it, it, you can't just say because you have a good offensive line, you can still read coverages and you can anticipate, right? I, I, I just I don't. Mike, think let me that's ask you this. Let, let's flip it. How many wins do the Bears have if Brock Purdy is the quarterback? What's the situation I, I here in got, Chicago? Purdy on this Bears offense. Where are the Bears? 
12 I wins? I think they win. I think 13, yeah. 14? Uh, no, no. Undefeated? No. Super Bowl shuffle? Of course not. Of course not. I'm not arguing that this Bears team is as good as, as San Francisco, right? I think that's that's a false argument you're trying to make me making. What, what I'm saying is they certainly win the first Detroit game. I, mean, I think there's no question in my mind. I think they win a couple other games as well where turnovers were, were a big issue. I, I don't think they're 5-8. and eight. I think they might be much closer to 500. And the reality is, what are we talking about? We're, we're wanting a quarterback who, can, who we can win games with and win playoff games with. And in order to do that, I think the evidence is clear. You need a quarterback who can throw in the pocket and make quick decisions. And, and I love Justin Fields, and I think, I think we should trade him, and I think hopefully he'll have success elsewhere. But the reality is he's not that guy. And so, and so I, I, you know, if the Bears – if you told Ryan Poles today, hey, we've got a deal on the table, you can trade Justin Fields for Brock Purdy, I mean, I think Ryan Poles would tear someone's arm off to shake their hand and take that deal as soon as possible. Oh, I, I totally I disagree. disagree with that. Mike, and also, I hope you're not hallucinating while you're driving, but just for further reference, when next time you want to tell someone you're hallucinating when you're listening, those are called paracutias. It's an auditory hallucination. See, that's why I love you guys. You guys have this knowledge. <laughs> Norm, you know, most of the time you have this knowledge, and I learn. Uh, <laughs> this might be the one... This might be the one-off base case, and I don't know what you guys were doing before the show, but maybe that, you know, I, I can't explain it. But I, I love listening to you guys and, and curious what other callers think because I think you're off base on this. Absolutely. One. Thanks for the call, Mike. Appreciate you. Thanks. There's Mike and Palatine. We go to Cole and Rosemont. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Cole? All right. So here's my hot take. I've been a field hater since day one. Hater. Since day one? And day one. I'm, I mean, I'm like, I, everyone was like, ready just to like bet all their money on him and i was like man no it's, it's what we've been doing it's yeah, no. what we need to stop doing is just putting all our hopes on uh, on a quarterback mm-hmm. but you know a- after these last few games you know i i think the most important thing is always going to be team chemistry and if we get rid of fields we're looking at another two to three years before we can even think about like making a run for the playoffs and if someone's going to get the axe, it should be Eberflus. Okay. And to add to that, everyone's saying, oh, get rid of Fields, you know, get the first-round draft pick. It's like we're, we're going to be in the same situation if we put our, all our hopes on the quarterback. We need to focus on our defensive line. We, we need to have an impenetrable defense. That should be our number one priority. Let, let offense keep doing what they're doing. All right, oh, we got you down. To, Thanks. I, I don't see any reason to you no know, divide them up. All right, thank you for the call, Cole. Call again. All right. Yep. There is. There's Cole and Rosemont. Yeah, I feel like this. I don't want to go back to ground zero, and and start building up again. Yeah. It feels as if in this moment, this week, things are starting to progress. The defense is coming together. The offense isn't uh, losing games for you. And I know that's, that's a very low bar, but it feels like they're starting to build something. I want progress forward. I don't want to turn around and then go back down to the ground floor, new head coach, new quarterback, and like Cole said, wait three, five years, okay, in four years we're going to make a playoff run. Like I'm, I'm sick of losing. And, and I think that's where this whole concept for the entire season and the perception that you and I 
uh, kind of witnessed at Hallis Hall over the summer when we were up there hosting shows. The franchise is sick of losing, too. Yeah. Like, this idea that they're going to just hope for a tank so they can solve the quarterback position and then fire everyone again. They're in the business of winning football games. Mm -hmm. They want to win games and try and make a run here and try and make the playoffs. Are they mathematically eliminated at this moment? They're not. They still have a chance. Is it likely that they make the playoffs? No. But if they finish this season strong, they're going to start building something towards next season. And we have a team in the division that's shown us that exact blueprint. The Lions came into this season on fire. Mm-hmm. They were the talk of the entire NFL. Why? Because they finished the end of this of last season strong. That's what I want from this team. I want to build up instead of tear back down and then hope that we find a savior in the draft. Now, if you finish strong and your number one pick that you have from Carolina is is sitting there and you're able to take a player that is the franchise-changing player and you're sold that that guy is absolutely the guy, I could be convinced of that. But right now, I'm not. So I want to keep building forward. My thing is I don't want to half-ass it. it to me, it's, it's all or nothing, right? If you're going to draft a new quarterback and reset your clock, then I want a new head coach. I don't trust... Like, I like what they're doing with Fields right now, and I think that they've got momentum with Fields right now, and we'll see what it looks like for the next four games. And if I had to make a decision... I think if they had to make a decision right now, I think they're leaning in the direction of bringing back Eberflus and Fields, if I had to guess. Don't know anything, if I had to guess. It could change... In the next four games, like if they go out and they lose to the Browns and it just looks awful, if they lose one of the two games at home against the Cardinals or the Falcons and they get blown out by the Packers again, then yeah, we're having a different conversation. I don't want them to keep Eberflus and Getze and bring in a new quarterback, right? Because then if Eberflus and Getze don't work out in the second year, in the next year, in 2024, you're firing them. And then you're hiring a new head coach, and that's at your quarterback already a year. Like, I don't know what they're going to do, but I think it's going to end up being keeping Justin, picking up the fifth-year option, and keeping Eberflus and Getze. I'll tell you what. I, I would also have a different opinion if the quarterback from my favorite college football team set the world on fire and won back-to-back Heisman trophies yeah. and was incredible Again, this past college football season. And was maybe, unfortunately, you know, Caleb Williams wasn't. Playing in the playoffs like, and stuff I know, like that. I know in September yeah. all the talking head shows wanted to say he's the next Mahomes. He's not. He's not the next Mahomes. Mm-hmm. He has escapability. He's very loose with the football. Fumbles a lot. I think he's tied for fourth most fumbles in college football this past season. So, I mean, some of the concerns that you have with Justin Fields. How about this? You're worried about Fields getting injured because he takes so many hits? Caleb Williams is is smaller. He's 6'1". Fields yeah. is 6'4". Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, I, I don't think it's just a guarantee that Caleb Williams is going to be the, the next great quarterback in NFL history. How about this? Junebug in Douglas Park. June You're on ESPN Bug. 1000. Hello, Junebug. Hey, how's it going, guys? What's uh, up? I want to start off with saying happy holidays to you happy guys holidays. and your families. You as well. Thank you, thank you. And I definitely agree with that Caleb Williams statement. Uh, we basically have a Caleb Williams, two of them actually, right now in the NFL. Baker Mayfield and um, Tyler from uh, Kyler Murray. Kyler yeah. Murray. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they both came from the same offense. 
And both of them won the Heisman, uh, highly recruited in college. And look at them now, severely undersized. And obviously, they quarterback status doesn't go really far. Now, as far as keeping fields, I would definitely love to do it. But, you know, I'm picking the franchise first. So if they get rid of everybody and start the clock over, I'll be fine with it. But if we do stay with them, I hope, uh, you know, we would flip that number one if we end up keeping it and build up whatever we could build up, you know, get the best possible players in the position and put fields in the best spot to succeed. You know, sort of like how Philly did it for Hurts, same mm-hmm. way how San Fran's doing it, same way how Dallas did it for Dak, you know, just build up a good, solid team and have him succeed the best. You know, if he don't – basically you have him for two more years if you really think about it. Next year we could draft the quarterback, keep him on the bench if he's not working out. Then they, for that fifth year, and then he's gone, and then you got a new guy that's already learned the system, and you know we'll roll out. But definitely, I would, uh, I would not draft Williams at all. All, all right. right, got you down. Thanks June for the call, Junebug. Thank you. Appreciate it. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. If you want to get in, coming up next, we have the song of the night. Abdallah is pumped banger. for this. It's a banger. Uh, it's a big day in music history for a certain someone that has a birthday today. So we'll uh, hear the song of the night coming up next. You're listening to Black and Abdallah, ESPN Chicago. Black and Abdallah are back. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. On FM 100.3 HD2. The ESPN Chicago app and ESPN 1000. We'll continue taking your Bears calls at 312-332-3776 as they get ready to face off against the Browns this Sunday. They'll be with Yannick Ngakwe, who's placed an IR today. Broken ankle. He'll have surgery. He's out for the season. DJ Moore didn't practice today, so we'll keep our eyes on that as the week goes. And we'll continue taking your calls on Bears football. Each night around 6.50, we like to play for you the song of the night. I want to rock! Hey, turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time for... What dial? There's, there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an... Exp- ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdullah's Song of the Night. Yo, later. Tonight's song. We go to Taylor Swift. Love Story from 2008. Each night we bring you a song of the night. Here you go. Abdal's very, very excited about this. Technically 2021 because we're playing Taylor's version. Okay. Sorry. We were both young song of the when night. I first saw you. I closed my eyes and the flashback starts. I'm standing there.
Yeah. It is Taylor Swift's birthday. It is December yes, it 13th. Is. It is a national holiday for some. Jeez. If she didn't have the year that she just did, I wouldn't say, let's play this. But this has been... She's the time person of the year. You she's, insisted she's, that we I'd, had to play a yeah, Taylor song. Yeah, we today. absolutely do. I mean, think about it. We're going to do our time capsule podcast next year. It's ta- it's been Taylor's year. Next week. Next week. Yeah, next week. Next Wednesday. It's been Taylor Swift's year. Like it has been the year of Taylor. Whether you're an NFL fan, whether you're a Taylor Swift fan, the Eras Tour, whatever it is, like it's been her year. How can you not play this on her birthday? Do I hear violin in the Taylor's you're damn version? Right, you do. Okay, all there's right. violin in the first version. Too. Is it really? Yeah, there was. Yeah, I don't recall it. Yeah, this is one of my favorite. This is probably my favorite Taylor Swift song. Your favorite Taylor Swift yeah. song? Yeah, I'm an OG like that. Yeah, man, I'm an OG like you? that. What do you mean? What's wrong with that? I like the song. It's, what are you sitting in the bleachers watching? No, that's a different song. That's a different song than this song. Yeah, that's oh, a different I song. I, I am dumb? not. I, I am not a Swifty like you. You're obsessive. I'm not um, obsessive. I just think she's a very good artist. You told everyone that would pass by our desk this afternoon that this was your favorite Taylor Swift While song. While we were playing it, yeah, for the three and a half minutes that it was on, yeah, I did. Did you know this is my favorite song? This is my favorite Taylor Swift song. I, that's a reasonable take. This is one of her better songs. Thank you. This is ins- it's, and it's I'm not a Swifty. Well I'm not a big Swifty, but this is a really good song. Number Thank two you. for me. I like Kevin? Shake It Off. Jack? All right. It's, it's, it's Shake It Off guy? Shake It Off. Shake It Off. Shake Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm it's just, very basic, and I don't yes. care. I don't yes, care. It it's great. Oh, listen right. to this. Well, it's okay. great. Taylor, let, let's just listen. To I'm just gonna let you have it. Oh, this is so good. Turn it up, Jack, please. It's her birthday today. Hey, turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time for... What dial? There's there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an... Ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdella's Song of the Night. Yo, Lair. I'm just surprised it's your number one song. It is. Yeah. It is. You're very happy. You're very pleased with yourself. I like to hear it. Yeah. This is why I need more control over Song of the Night. (laughs) Black and Abdallah, we'll be back in two minutes. Black and Abdallah, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports.